0: I'm Susanna Keith, founder and CEO of Hello Career Guru, Inc. We so appreciate your listening to our podcast. Hello Career Guru, Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, race, or geography. Launching soon, Hello Career Guru will offer women one unifying online platform for developing their personalized career game plan powered by Executive C-Suite Insights. For this episode of our Hello Career Guru Salon, we have the award-winning Managing Director of the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, Nicole Kankamp. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to have an innovative conversation about your exciting career in sports. Not only is Nicole a dear friend and client for many years, but Nicole is also an experienced C-suite thought leader, skilled in management, operations and marketing with brilliant communication skills. She has broken many glass ceilings in our world.
1: Thank you so much, I'm so happy to be
0: here. Excellent, Nicole. We are so excited, especially because the U.S. Tennis Tournament is one of our favorite of all time, and we really missed attending this year. So please, to start, tell us about your experience with the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in NYC, given all the concerns with COVID and our world.
1: Well, you know, I really have to give kudos to the whole team for pulling off really what was truly a herculean effort to even have the event you know heading into um planning and when the pandemic sort of um you know came into being we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to pull off the us open it truly is a global event you know welcoming players from all over the world And even the people that help to produce the event, from the broadcasters to um, the tournament staff that operate the tournament, it it really is an international affair. And so bringing in all of those individuals from all over the world to what at the time was the epicenter of the COVID crisis was truly going to be a challenge. And to be frank, you know, there were some folks that thought that we shouldn't be doing that. You know, the tennis center actually at one point was a hospital where we were um, housing COVID patients because the hospitals in New York and in Queens were overflowing. Um, and so there, there were media outlets that, that you know, questioned our, our judgment and actually trying to do that. But we went in with really guiding principles. First and foremost, could we do the event? Safely and ensuring the safety not only of the players but of the staff and everyone associated with the tournament. And could we produce the tournament in the best interest of tennis and presenting it in a way that um, showcased tennis in the best light, that really was reflective of you know the U.S. Open brand being a very premium and um, high-end brand. And then obviously, could we do it, um, you know, ensuring the financial um, stability of the organization because the USTA its mission is to grow and foster the development of tennis in the U.S. and so really all of the proceeds from the U.S. go towards that mission and and growing the sport at a grassroots level so we wanted to ensure that we could continue to do that Um, and so producing the U.S. Open that met those goals um, was important for us but we you know together with again, um, staff all across the organization. And we were, um, you know, at the same time, um, made the decision to make our tournament director. Uh, We had the first female tournament director with Stacey Allister, and she really was a phenomenal leader in sort of championing the plan, um, again, integrated with many individuals across the organization to execute and implement it in accordance with Federal and state um, guidelines, CDC guidelines, and we were able to pull it off. And we cannot be more proud of what we were able to accomplish. Having the event, um, you know, we tested thousands and thousands um, of players and staff over the course of the really three weeks of the tournament, and um, we were able to keep the players safe. Um, and we were able to produce a pretty phenomenal event, you know, by all accounts. Um, Again, in, from media, from fans, they were really—it was really well received. The tournament, the production of it, um, you know, how we were able to pivot from a marketing perspective, and we sort of set the bar. I mean, it was the first truly global event to even take place in the midst of this pandemic, and um, very much a collaborative and team effort to accomplish that.
0: Nicole, this is really an incredible accomplishment and really the US Open tournament led the way for so many sports organizations. So given that, what were the highlights and best innovations of the tournament this year?
1: Yep, well, so like I mentioned, you know, we had to pivot um, once we decided that we were gonna have the event but we weren't able to welcome fans on site. We had to really think differently about how we were gonna market and promote the event, especially, you know, the U.S. Open, I think, is very unique from other sporting events in that it is very much an experiential product right? I mean, Susanna, you've been to the US Open and watching tennis is, you know, one piece of the experience, but it's all about sort of being on site and sampling the food and interacting with the different sponsors. And, and that experiential nature is lost, obviously, if you can't be there on site. So from a marketing perspective, one, we had to pivot um, from our campaign that was normally geared towards driving ticket sales. And I had to refocus it on, um, getting fans to tune in and to engage in other ways, and then figure out ways that we could actually bring the U.S. Open experience to fans in their home, and then also sort of bring the fans into the experience in the stadium. So um, first, in terms of bringing the content at home, we we created sort of a mini destination on our website. Um, and produce a lot of content in social that tried to allow fans to recreate the experience at home and everything from like having recipes of some of our signature dishes um, that we would serve at the U.S. Open you could recreate at home. We offered up the honey deuce um, which is our signature cocktail that you could make at home and encouraged um, fans to share a lot of that content that we featured on our um, U.S. Open social channels Um, and then you know also recognizing that we probably were going to have some casual fans, maybe fans that didn't know as much about tennis. So, we had a lot of like tennis 101 content that you could really learn and understand about the sport and can consume that through our digital properties. We created what we called a US Open at Home Suite, which was like a, a merchandise kit that you could buy again, the honeydews cups um, to make your own drinks at home and other um, sort of US Open accoutrements to recreate what would be um, the experience that you'd have on site, but doing that at home and that proved to be um, a sort of a bonus revenue opportunity for us as well. And then, you know, looking to bring fans into the stadium too, that couldn't be there um, in person. We brought them in virtually through video screens that we had um, surrounding the court and fans could record their own cheers through the U S open fan cam, that then we featured on those video boards. Um, similar to what now I think a lot of sports are doing, because you know we're still at that place where we're not welcoming you know 100 of the fans um, on site at sporting events. So allowing them to be featured virtually um, to also give the players a bit of a boost, because the tennis players uh, are very much accustomed to coming to the U.S. Open in New York and hearing the crowds and the roars, and um, and so we tried to give uh, that. Sort of cheering section to the players as well. And um, one of the other things that um, we were able to also recreate for the players is um, what we call the virtual player box. So typically the players are accustomed to having a certain section carved out in the stands where their family and friends are sitting and cheering them on in their player box. And since we couldn't bring all those fans on site, we created a, a separate. Zoom-like type experience for just their fans, friends and family, where the players could actually interact with them directly post-match and really see the fans that, you know, their closest friends and family that were cheering them on. And that was sort of a great, um, really candid and authentic and organic moment that we were able to show in stadium and then uh, extend it for great content that we showcase on our digital and social channels as well. And then the um, the last thing that I think I'm most proud of um, about this year's U.S. Open, um, because going into, again, the planning, we obviously were looking for how we could just produce this event in a healthy and safe environment, but also recognizing the reality of what was happening out in the world. We felt like we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge it in some way. And especially the USTA is... Um, really at its core, you know, believes in diversity and inclusion and equality for all. And we have these values that you know, have been a part of our organization for a long time. And the fact that we named the whole site after Billie Jean King, you know, champion for women's equality and LGBT rights. And the fact that we named, you know, our main stadium after Arthur Ashe, who was such a huge champion, both on and off the court, particularly for racial equality. It was at our core important for us to leverage our platform and to really be a voice for the issues that were happening at the moment. So we developed this new campaign that we called Be Open. The idea around the campaign was when you're open, great things can happen in our sport and out in the world. And so as a part of the campaign, we developed a host of content and activations that, again, acknowledge the reality of what was happening in the world. Um, We wanted to honor some of the heroes of the um, pandemic, of this crisis that we were in. So we had a moment. Um, that we called Champion to Champion, where each night prior to the evening session, we had a U.S. Open champion thank what we call the healthcare champion um, via um, a call um, that was part of our virtual coin toss. And it was really a powerful uh, moment. It was great to have the players and see um, the you know all different types of players from recent champions um, like Venus and Serena Williams to you know past champions like Billie Jean King and John McEnroe and really you know earnestly thank people that were on the front lines and had given you know sort of their heart and soul in helping to get New York and really we had healthcare workers from all over the world um, that had been serving on the front lines and we were um, giving it an opportunity to honor them and thank them for the help. And then um, the other aspects of the campaign were all about um, giving uh, visibility to issues of, um, equality and not just racial equality, but gender equality, LGBT advocacy as well. So we developed a lot of different content um, around those themes and showcasing players that have um, sort of used their voice to speak out on these issues, um, both past and present. And then really the idea is to present this sort of optimistic future of how we want to use our, our sport and our platform for good. And then one of the last things um, that uh, was, I think, garnered sort of the most positive reaction and the most visibility was this campaign that we called Black Lives to the Front, where we commissioned 18 um, Black artists to develop original pieces of artwork, um, again, sort of turning the the idea of empty seats as a negative and making it a positive and so we showcase these beautiful pieces of artwork in these empty seats sort of front and center, um, getting prime visibility throughout the broadcast and kind of giving, um, you know, great visibility to these amazing artists and showcasing them on the global stage. And it it was really powerful just to also kind of showcase the Black Lives Matter movement in a positive way that um, I couldn't be more proud of. And the the great thing that actually just concluded about a week ago is we auctioned all the pieces of artwork off for charity, donating to the USTA Foundation and um, charities that each of the artists selected themselves. And again, it's just a really um, powerful project and, um, and something that I'm extremely proud of that we were that the organization embraced it and supported it in such way um, and that I could sort of be a part of it
0: in this really um, impactful moment so phenomenal you know given that you've all that you've done for our world black lives matter diversity rights our healthcare workers is pretty much a thank you for your service um, for all that you did during the US Open so given that How have your career and life experiences built who you are today?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I have been um, fortunate. I've had really great parents that have been um, tremendous influences on me. Both of my parents have really instilled in me, I think, the power of education, the importance of education, and not just, you know, helping sort of, propel my career, but really opening my eyes to the possibilities and the opportunities that are out there. Um, And particularly my mom, I think, is just a really strong, phenomenal, sort of inspirational woman. You know, she continues, I think, to reinvent herself. She got her PhD late in life um, and then went on to be a professor. And she, I think, considers herself a lifelong learner. And so I aspire to be the same way. Um, so, you know, and she comes from, I think, a great stock of really um, strong-willed and, and, and uh, sort of powerful women um, in her own right. And then, you know, I've had really great mentors, I think, throughout my career as well. Um, and I've been fortunate that I've had some great female mentors that have um, guided me and I've worked with them and they've sort of pushed me to raise my Um, level, raise me, you know, raise my A game um, as I've been working and even as I've gone on and maybe haven't worked with them, still maintain contact with them so that um, they've been able to provide great advice to me and, you know, as I navigate my career in the future. So, you know, just the power power of female mentorship, I think is really important. I try to pay that forward and do that, you know, now in my career so that, Um, I don't have all the answers, but if I can help another, um, you know, woman or another woman of color um, navigate what is sometimes a very challenging space in business and particularly in sports business, um, I want to continue to do that.
0: This is so um, impressive. So given that, Nicole, with the U.S. Open tournament, you had to oversee basically a fleet of individuals and i know you couldn't do as many volunteers this year as in in the past but across so many different aspects of your marketing pivot for the event to the players to the overall grassroots organization how do you think that women can succeed as female bosses well you know i know
1: sometimes it's um sort of viewed as a cliche, like you have to be your authentic self. But it really is true in that, you know, when you lean into your authentic voice, and it's a scary thing, right, to sort of bring that true voice to work sometimes, because I think especially women are nervous or afraid to bring their authentic self. But I think, especially in this moment, and in these last several months, I have leaned in even more. I've felt very passionate about the work that I'm doing, you know, particularly feeling very passionate about using the US Open platform to champion diversity and equality. And I found that one, I've actually, you know, it's empowering sort of finding this voice and finding this passion and really embracing it. But I've also found that, you know, the people around me respond very well because people, you know, are sort of attractive attracted to authenticity and to and it does sort of breed confidence and you know not just the people that sort of work um underneath me or for me but you know my peers and even superiors have really um you know shown a great respect for me embracing this um this authenticity and this passion and so i would just encourage that you know, other women to to really embrace that because we need more voices. You know, if it's not you that's going to speak up, then who? Um, you know, that's what I've learned from other people and, and I've really sort of tried to embody it myself. So really, you know, find that passion, really be confident in voicing those opinions and speaking up um, because we need more diverse voices and thought. Um, you know coming to the forefront because that's how organizations really you know progress
0: and move forward and change. Nicole so really that's an incredible c-suite insight the power of sponsorship within an organization like you had to advance as well as mentorship and the power of that how that can help all women in their career so that's thank you so much for highlighting that So to that end, what other trends do you see for female and minority leadership in the world of sports?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think we're seeing a moment right now where particularly, you know, athletes like Naomi Osaka or a lot of WNBA players like Maya Moore are leveraging their platform to be a voice for issues that they're passionate about. And, you know, no longer is the trend where you're just going to, you know, focus on your sport and not have an opinion on issues outside of your sport. I think that, um, You know, again, we saw with the U.S. Open Tournament, Naomi recognized her position and the power and, you know, the spotlight that she had and used it for good. And you're seeing more and more athletes. I mean, I referenced Billie Jean King. She was a person that took a lot of risks in sort of being that um, champion for equality. This past uh, Open, we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the original nine. So when Billie and the other eight women um, sort of broke off um, to form the foundation of the WTA tour and really set the stage for women's equality in sports but at the time it was a huge risk for her to do that Um, but she laid the groundwork for other female athletes to really use their voice to um, fight for causes that are important and so I think that you know you're seeing that with athletes on the court and on the field um, recognizing that power. And so that is, I'll be a bit slowly seeping into the boardrooms, um, where there are more, you know, female, um, more people of color that feel confident to champion those causes internally. I think we still have a long way to go. Um, but it's inspiring to see particularly young people, um, not be afraid to take risks and, and be that, um, that vocal.
0: Great. So, Nicole, there have been so many things we have learned today. So, I am going to attempt to recap the most important things. And I'd love you to add anything that you think is fit. But I think the first thing of all is the ability to make a critical pivot in your strategy when things, dynamics change. And Really want to applaud the team on using the power of social media to do that as well as to come up with some incredibly creative ideas such as the fan cam the player box. The black lives matter artwork, etc. So I think that's a critical skill for many people to have um, And to develop. Secondly, I love that you mentioned the C suite inside of the power of female mentorship and that how all leaders. Should adopt that in their strategy with their companies. And then finally, the critical nature of finding your own authentic voice and being yourself in the workplace because that will help you su- succeed as well as step up and talk when things need to be said that are important in our world. Anything else you would like to add? No,
1: I think you captured it beautifully. I mean, I think, you know, the only thing I would add is that all of those things are scary to do right and it sounds very easy and um when you put it so eloquently and so succinctly but you know the last several months were extremely challenging for a lot of people right i mean we weren't i i can now on the you know back end see how successful it was that we were able to have the US Open. But in the midst of it, we weren't sure day to day if it was going to happen, if it was the right thing to do, and if we could really pull it off. Um so, you know, I would just add that like we're all sort of going through a really trying time and to allow yourself that, you know, to be kind to yourself, that it's not always going to be easy, but that, you know, having sort of that North star and and focusing on the things that you just mentioned that um, you can get through it.
0: Oh, Nicole, that is so inspiring and so real for people to understand that we're all trying to deal with the balance of everything that's going on right now. So we so appreciate the insights from your incredible career that are so helpful to others as they navigate their game plan. In fact, we believe that you should be nominated for the sportsillustrated.com list of unrelenting female executives in sports, which just came out yesterday. So I hope you don't (laughs) mind that we put that on LinkedIn because you deserve it. Uh,
1: You're too kind. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, but definitely let us know how we can support you. Um, But meanwhile, thanks to all who are listening to our podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Hello Career Guru. Nicole, how should people look to find you?
1: Sure, you can find me on LinkedIn. Our, um, my email address is cancam at usta.com.
0: Oh, Nicole, this is so excellent. Feel free to reach out to the Hello Career Guru team at guru at hellocareerguru.com with any questions or suggestions for our future Hello Career Guru salon. Thanks again, Nicole. Thank you so much.